Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Uh, last week, I really enjoyed getting to watch on the live stream, and I know many of you are still on the live stream. Thanks for staying home if you need to. That's good, and uh, it was great. Uh, how many of y'all enjoyed Pastor Bill? He did a fantastic job. Man, that was awesome. I really, really enjoyed that and honestly felt like it was very timely. Uh, that God is a rescuer, a restorer, a pursuer, that this is what God is like. This is, this is who he is. And let me tell you, uh, I can't wait to get to today, okay, because today is going to be a lot of fun. In fact, I always love when God does this. Like that song we just sung was such a setup for this message, and we did not talk about it, which I love that. Uh, because today we're going to talk about how God is faithful, okay? So we just sung about he's never going to let me down, and that couldn't be more true. He's never going to let you down. Now, I don't know if singing that song, sometimes we have a song like that and it kind of stings a little bit. You're like, it's never going to let me down. Look, this morning, I encourage you to renew your mind, okay? See it uh, for what it really is, for who he really is, and he is faithful. Oh, boy, this is going to be fun. Uh, so let's dive right into this today. He is faithful. Let's talk about what that means, faithful. He is full of faith. Okay, I know that's not that tricky, but he is full of faith. He is so persuaded about who he is. Okay, he knows who he is. He loves who he is, and he's going to share that with you always because he is faithful. The Bible says that he gives the measure of faith. Okay, you, you don't have a, a varying degree of faith. Okay, there's not he gives some a little bit and some a lot. No, there is the measure of faith because anything that's not faith is sin. In other words, it is what he is pleased by. It is what he wants for you, and so therefore he is faithful. He has given us, the Bible says, everything pertaining to life and godliness. I want you to think about that for a moment. I mean, we just sung that song, he's never going to let me down. He's never going to let me down. Okay, everything for life, is that how you always feel? <laughs> Come on. No, of course not, right? No, but he's given us everything for life and godliness. See, I think part of the problem is, is that because we don't expect that he's given us everything for life, I wonder how often we get trapped in the idea of, well, then am I really as godly as I need to be, right? These, these, these ideas trap us. But the truth is this, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Did you catch that? Because what that just said was is that your relationship with God is based on his faithfulness to you. <laughs> How often are you taught that from the stage, right? Usually it's the other way around. You demonstrate your relationship by being faithful to God. He just said it. You're going to be faithless. There's going to be moments where uh, you are going to be distracted by something that you have done instead of what he is saying. And you will find yourself relying on his faithfulness and what you see in that is that he was always the one that faith was about. Faith is only about God, okay? It is something that he creates, that he gives, that he places within you. It's all about him. He is faithful. Romans 12, 3, we just read this a moment, we said it a moment ago, but God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And what does that look like? Well, let's look at it in Galatians 2.20, the verse that I, I don't mean to have come up in every single message, but God must be doing something. So Galatians 2.20, and I want to read it in the King James Version this morning. 
I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Look, you were bought with a price. The life that you live is not your own. We know these things, and yet right there in the King James, it says it in black and white. You live off of the faith of Christ. You're living off of him believing in you. <laughs> it's the complete opposite of what we commonly hear or believe, right? It's, it's not about our faithfulness. It's about how faithful God is. If I could introduce you to God, and there is something that I hope you get about him, is that he is faithful. It may be perhaps some of the most important words and important things you can ever believe about God is that he is faithful. Why? Because it is what separates him from every other world religion. It's what separates him from Allah, okay? There is no comparison because Allah is not faithful and God is forever faithful. This is what separates him from everybody. So God is faithful. Now, this word faith, let's take a look at this, and we're going to look at it in both the Greek and the Hebrew because both of them have really cool implications, okay? And so let's look at it first in the Greek. It's this word pistis, okay? Now, we're talking about faithfulness or being faithful. It would be pistos, to be faithful, but faith is this word pistis, and Strong's defines it this way. He says, uh, it is God's divine persuasion, all right, we often hear faith in our language, right, in Latin, in a, in, a, in a background that says it's belief, right? It's just about believing. And so you have, well, atheists, I, I've had many discussions. They say, oh, you have a blind faith. You know, you're just believing in something without ever seeing it. Can I tell you, that would be nonsense, and I don't believe in something that I've never seen. <laughs> no, I've seen it with different eyes, right? I've seen it with the eyes that God has given me. I have faith because he is faithful, and so this idea of faith, God's divine persuasion, is something that's never created by you and me. We can't come up with it on our own. You cannot fake it till you make it with God, okay? That doesn't work, and you don't have to, which is really nice. It is the revelation of his will. Man, what is God's will? It was Jesus. Jesus is the revelation of his will, and therefore you can know it and by it be transformed and changed. And that is faith. It's God persuading you to fully believe in him in all things because of Jesus. That is what faith looks like. Now, let me show you just how faithful God is to you and me. God is so faithful that he promises to never leave you or forsake you. And yet, there are times where, where some may feel that way, and that's why God was so faithful that he gave us himself, he gave us the Spirit. Let me show you something. He gave us his, himself so that he would never be alone. John 16, 8 through 11. Now, at this point, understand, uh, Jesus has been talking about the Spirit now for a little while. He's been talking with his disciples about it, and they are utterly confused for the most part. Like, they're wandering around going, wait, you're going where? You're doing what now? Like, wh where's the rebellion? Where is the, where's our swords? Like, where is the thing that we thought this was all going towards? And, and, and suddenly by, by John 16, he once more, he explains this, and he goes, look, when he, that's the Spirit, comes, he will convict the world consider, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, what's awesome about this verse is all, or verses, is all of that has to do with how faithful God is. 
Now, what the enemy often does is he takes things that are supposed to be about God and he makes them instead about you. And so what is commonly should be seen is how faithful God is in every single way. Unfortunately, this verse gets used to say that, well, God's actually going to show you how you've been unfaithful. Right? It's, it's actually used to say that the Spirit of God's going to convict you of sin as a believer and get you on this, this course of, I'm sorry, I know I messed up again, and you're constantly getting, I'm forgiven, and I'm... And none of that's true. None of that's even true at all. Let's read this one more time and clear this up. So when he comes, he'll convict or convince the world of the truth, okay, is what that word means. He's going to convince you, who? The world. And he says, because they, they don't believe in me. That's not you and me. That's not believers. Are you a believer? You believe he exists? You a believer? Yeah. We're believers, so therefore we don't, we, we don't have an issue with this. He's not here to convince us of that, but the world to believe in him. Here's our part concerning righteousness, because who are we? We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So as righteousness, he tells us, well, I'm going to the Father and you no longer see me. You need to understand the Spirit's going to tell you over and over and over again that as he is, so also are you. As he is at the right hand of the Father, that is where you are placed and secured and live. That's what you and I need to hear all the time. Why? Because we have feet of clay and we walk around on this earth. (laughs) And we need to remember that we're not actually what we appear. We are spirit beings who live here and are perfected in him. That's who we are. And I love this last one, by the way. Judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Now, you know how this verse is usually used, right? It's usually used to say, listen, Javen, the Spirit's going to convict you of sin. Why? Because he wants you to become more righteous. And if you don't become more righteous, there's judgment, right? And none of that's true because judgment actually is about the devil getting his butt kicked, which I think is awesome, by the way. I hope he throws a few extra punches in there for me, okay? He has been judged, Right? Our enemy has been judged. So I love this. The Spirit of God comes to you and he says, hey, good news. The entire world can believe in me. Number two, once you believe in me, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And oh, by the way, that enemy, that guy that you can't stand, let me take care of it, is what God says to you over and over and over again. Is that good news? I feel like that is wonderful news. And so he shows us how faithful he is. Now watch this. Watch what faith does. Faith causes us to believe. It is this divine persuasion. Now listen, before all of that was spoken by Jesus, before he shares all of this about the Spirit, he first comments about his disciples. He says in John 16, 5, he goes, Look, I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where am I going? Oh, you guys have changed in in two chapters. You know, I mean, I'm not sure how much time that really was. But in two chapters, they went from going, we have no idea where you're going, to suddenly they go, oh, yeah, we, we get it. He goes, not one of you. Did you catch that? Not one of you guys is asking. And so I love this. Jesus, he goes to his father and he goes, Dad, I got to tell you, I got to tell you what's going on. And he prays one chapter later in John 17 and he says this, for the words which you gave me. I have given to them. Okay, stop there. What are the words that God gave the Son? Well, Paul writes in Romans 10.3, he goes, I know what these words are. It's the word of faith which we are preaching, he says. It's the word of faith. And so here is this moment, and look what happens in John 17.8. For the words, this faith that you gave me, that we authored and perfected, if you will, I have given to them, and they received them, and they understood that I came from you, and they believed. Did you catch it? This is how it works for all of us. 
We're persuaded by God. And what happens once you receive that persuasion is you believe. And you believe in something that otherwise would be crazy. <laughs> otherwise, it would make no sense. You'll never let me down? I mean, come on. That, that would make no sense except for that's not something that we're gaining through here. That's something that we gain through here. Right? Oh, he never lets me down. Might not make sense to this thing. Oh, but in here I go, yeah, you're right. He will never let me down. Faith. Faith. God persuading you and causing you to believe. And by the way, his spirit, the spirit he gave you, one of the fruit of the spirit is what? Faith. He constantly persuades you and gives you what you need. Even when you find yourself faithless, if you will. Now we'll talk about that as well. But as a believer, we are faithful because he is faithful. Like, that's how this works. But what happens when you sin? What happens when you see sin, if you will, in the flesh? Okay, this is something that Jesus knew about back on the cross. He's not shocked by it. He's not at all uh, wondering why in the world you did that or what. No, he knows all of that. In fact, he forgot about it. He, he is, he's removed it from his thinking. It's totally different than the way you and I work because he is agape love. Right? Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Like, he's not like us. We've got to get that in our minds, right? And so this, this total difference in the way he operates, well, it's different for us. We experience this thing called shame. Right? And shame tries to tell you something about yourself that God didn't say about you. And so when you, when you find yourself making a mistake, you might find this faithlessness, if you will, but it's not that you don't have faith, it's that your eyes are merely on your flesh. You're looking at your failure, you're looking at your mistake. And here is the most amazing thing about grace, is that when you see your mistake, when you see your failure, what you actually will also see is God's faithfulness. You will see his faithfulness in you, even in the worst possible mistake. God is faithful. All right, let's look at this in the Hebrew. This is a fun, this is a fun word. And it may be misspelled. I think we fixed it, but it should be amuna. All right, this word in the Hebrew means faith, and it means uh, steadfast, stable, or what is true. All right, the first time we, we see this word, right, is with Abraham. Remember Abraham, he, he's the father of faith, if you will. Well, this is the first time we, we see amuna. Uh, show up. Now think about those words for a second. Steadfast, stable, what is true. Oh, Abraham loved faith, right? He loved the idea. Listen, if you're traveling, you're constantly on the, on the move. You're a nomadic people. To hear that God is stable and steadfast and true sounds awesome. But here's the thing. There's so much more to this word than I'll even be able to explain this morning. But just as a, a, a little, little insight into this word, I'm learning that these letters that they had in the Hebrew, uh, they, they have different pictures associated with them, and there's different meanings uh, to these words that, that we don't get in the Greek, for example. Look at these letters. I, I gave them here to you. Aleph, Mem, Vav, Nun, and He. Okay? And these letters all have a picture associated with it that you might want to write down because it's kind of cool. So the, the first letter is a left, and a picture is an ox. Okay? It's an ox, and, and the meaning behind this would be a strong leader. Okay? So again, when you're writing out as a kid the word faith in, in the Hebrew, the first one, they probably drew a little ox over the letter. You know? like, here's the picture. Then you got the word, uh, letter Mem, and it, it's, the picture is water. And the meaning is blood. One of the meanings is blood. So you have your second letter, you have the water. Your third letter is vav, and it's a tent peg or a nail. Okay, so if you think about something that, that, that secures something to the ground, right? That's the idea, or, or adding to or securing is the meaning. 
Then you have noon, which is a sprouting seed. And its meaning is a continuation or an error, okay? A sun. And then lastly, you have the word hay or the letter hay. And it is the arms of a man raised in the air. And the meaning is revelation or breath. All right, so when you combine all of this, this beautiful picture within this word that Abraham first uses in Scripture, and remember where he uses it is he's being told what? He's being told, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to, you're, you see the stars, you see the sand, you see all of this. You're going to have more kids than all of this. And he had to be sitting there going, I, what? I'm old. <laughs> I don't think this is going to happen. But he didn't. By faith, he believed, right? Now, look at what these letters put together mean. God's faithfulness means this, that the seed, the breath, the word secures us by the blood and the water to the bloodline of God as children. Like, that is the picture, the imagery that they would have seen, is that it wasn't Abraham just about the Messiah that was coming. No, it's deeper than that. It is the connection that the Messiah has with the children of God, that we are secured to him through God's bloodline. All in the word, faith. (laughs) All in this understanding is Abraham sat there and heard and believed He received this message that you are going to be the father of what now? The bloodline of God is going to run through. How could you fathom this? And and Abraham never got to even see the very thing he was promised until much, much later. But remember, Abraham was fully persuaded. And you and I now know in Romans 8, 13, that the spirit that we have is not one of bondage, right? But it is one of adoption in which you and I. We say, Abba, Father. We are the perfected picture of faith that was given to Abraham. And we can see all of it in just the letters alone. Like, it really is mind-blowingly fascinating to me. So as an example, look at, look at this with me. We're going to look at these two different verses. One is from Moses. One is from Paul. Both are talking about faith. And I want you to see the differences and how things changed. I don't know about you, but when, when, when I was growing up, I was taught the heroes of the Bible. You remember the heroes of the Bible? Maybe some of you guys even had the sword and the shield and all of that, like depending on how homeschooled you were. Um, and uh, I thought it was cool. I never got it. I wasn't homeschooled. Anyway, it's really about me being sad. Um, <laughs> but you remember the heroes of the Bible? I remember feeling like, dude, I want to be like one of these. I want to be Elijah. Elijah was my man. Like, I mean, that dude... He's just crazy. But anyway, I I loved Elijah, and I I remember always thinking, I was like, man, if I could just have the faith of Elijah, right? And there were songs that I think even had that in there, and just the idea of having their kind of faith. And I want to demonstrate something to you. Those people were just like you and me. (laughs) They were normal people. And the difference was they received faith. They were given something that caused them to be the very heroes they became, The idea is is that God was working in the story. He was offering opportunity, and they believed, and they received, and they got to see at least part of the journey, but there was so much more to come. Let's take a look at it together. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Now, this moment you know God is sharing with Moses. He's saying, listen, at this covenant that I'm making with you, you're going to be servants. Okay, that's the big difference. The first covenant, we became servants. The second one, we became sons. Right, so in this first one, he goes, listen, uh, Abraham, I want you to go tell the people this, okay? Go tell them this, that the commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. 
It's not in heaven that you should say who will go up to heaven for us to get it and who will make us hear it that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it or listen. Now catch this. What did he just say? The word was where? Right there. The whole time. Have you ever thought God was so far away and you read the Old Testament and, oh man, God is just so far away? No, he's not. He was still right there. (laughs) And people just couldn't see or believe it. They couldn't believe that God would be right there. And here, here Moses is sharing with them, the word of God is all around you. It's in your mouth. All you've got to say is you believe. And yet we know that without the perfected faith that Jesus authored, We could never do that, even though he was standing right next to us. God is never far from you, and he still never is ever far from anyone. It's ridiculous. Now, I love this. Uh, Moses, he goes out and he shares it. He puts the tablets out there. He goes, okay, we got this. Today I put before you life and death, blessings and curses. Like, obviously, you're going to make the right choice. Moses is like 120 years old. He knows this is like his last big hurrah. And and you turn the page into Deuteronomy 31, and I love it. It's the most disappointing area of Scripture I can find. Because if I was Moses, I would have... I would have been so mad, okay? Like, I don't know how he wasn't, because basically God goes to Moses and goes, hey, man, just FYI, you're about to die anyway. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. They're not going to keep any of this. It's so disappointing. It's like all of the journey, all of the work to this moment where God goes, and they're not going to keep any of it. In fact, Moses, the moment you die, they're going right back to idols. (laughs) I mean, imagine having that job. I'd be like, what was the point of all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked, and now we'll fast forward to Romans, and we'll see. Romans 10, 5 through 10. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. Oh man, the problem with what Moses was preaching was you, you had to not only live by it one time, you had to live by it all times forever. And it wasn't possible. So the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, this sounds familiar, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Now notice how Paul puts in the understanding. He gets it now. This is what Moses was being told. I get it now. Who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. That has already happened. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. And look at the revelation. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth or agree with God that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation. The mystery was solved, Moses. What was the point? What was the great mystery? It was that there would be children of God, not servants. Like God didn't need a bunch of servants. He wanted children. And that was the plan right there with you, Moses. Couldn't see it. Couldn't see it until Jesus came along. And suddenly, Paul, by the Spirit, is saying the exact same words. But now it all makes sense because of faith. God is faithful. Let me show you a couple of the things. Hebrews 11, check this out. We're going to read a little Hebrews 11 here. He talks about faith. He says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old, right, Moses, the guys we're talking about, they gained approval. 
By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Okay, you and I have been given the spirit of God as a down payment for what you are guaranteed, is what that scripture says. You want to know that God is trustworthy? Well, you on on this planet might have a hard time, so I'll tell you what, I'm going to give you a deposit, I'm going to give you the spirit. So that way, once you have the spirit, by the way, you know how faithful God is, and you know that he will never leave you or forsake you. What you have is eternally secure forever. You're sanctified. The whole thing's done. He gives that all to you so you don't have to stress out about that one bit. I love this. Abraham experienced this reality. He had a moment, I believe, with God where God was showing him the stars. He's showing him the sand. And Abraham had a moment where he said, I get it. This is not about me. This is not about my kids. This is about something much bigger than me. And how would he have seen any of that except by faith? So the writer continues, look, Enoch, he was taken up. He didn't even see death. (laughs) He was not found because God took him. For he or obtained the witness beforehand that he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is not possible to please God. So what does that mean? Was Enoch any more different than you and me? No. No, he just listened to God. And what did God tell him? Enoch, I'm pleased with you. He said, really? That's awesome. He believed it. Enoch, you want to come up here to heaven? Sure. And he was gone. (laughs) That was it. And God goes, cool. Abraham, Moses, Enoch. I'm going to use all of these guys to show Jesus. Right? Every single one of them has an attribute or an aspect about their life that points to Jesus. The writer of Hebrews concludes with this. And all of these guys, having obtained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now let me ask you this question. If God promised you something and you never got it, you never saw it, how's that going to make you feel? Yeah, he never let me down. Are you kidding me? Right? That's how you're going to feel. These guys gained approval through faith, but when we truly understand what that means, it means that, God, I am fully persuaded to know that whether I see what you have promised or not, I know you are faithful, and I am absolutely assured of that, and I don't even need to see it because, God, you promised me that. That's awesome. I am so good with you. You are faithful. Like, that's what faith does. That's what it really looks like in you. And look how different this is for you and me. Moses was faithful, Hebrews 3 says, in all his house as a servant for the testimony of things which were to be spoken of later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are. Moses was faithful over the temple and the house and his family. All that. Cool. God is faithful over you. (laughs) I don't know how you see yourself. I don't don't know if you just see yourself as another brick in the wall, so the song says. But you really are a spiritual brick in the house of God. God is faithful over you. He's faithful. And he's so faithful that he has cleansed you fully so that you can be in relationship with him. Not based on your faithfulness. No, based on how faithful he is. To kind of close this up a little bit, I want to I talk about 1 John for a second. John, he writes this letter to his, his church. And he says, listen, uh, there are some of you that are, that, are, that are sneaking into the church. There were these Gnostics. There were these different groups that were coming in. And they were teaching things like sin's not real. Like you don't have an issue with sin. That's not a real thing. They were saying things like Jesus was... 
actually this guy named Joseph, and there was a spirit that laid over Joseph, and he, you know, all, it, they believed in all these really, really weird things, but some of the, the some of what that created, some of what that, what that produced within the church was division. Uh, people were leaving. They didn't have a relationship with one another. It was actually they were encouraging people to go sin, to go do whatever you want, which that by itself created division. People were going, wait a minute, you guys are over there doing what now? And doing what with the communion? And it was all messed up. And so John, he writes this letter to show how faithful God is. And unfortunately, like I said earlier, the enemy will try to take this and he'll try to spin it around to show how you're not faithful. <laughs> you know, God knows you. He knows everything you're ever going to do, and he is faithful. That's how awesome God is. So in 1 John, he says this. He goes, look, I want to share with you what we have seen and what we have heard all the way back from the beginning. John says, I want to share this with you so that your fellowship would be not just with me, but that it would be with God the Father and the Son who I have fellowship with or union with. So we need to understand right off the bat that what you're about to hear is not being written to you and I as believers because we have union with God. We have fellowship with God. And although he will add some things into this letter, of course, for the church, in this moment, he can't be describing you and me. And so he says this. He goes, look... I want you to have fellowship, and if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin, all sin. And as you understand sanctification, you understand that it has to be that way. He removed it from you. So I love this. He goes, look, those of you that are walking in darkness saying that God's cool with that, no, of course not. That's silly. Come walk in the light. Have fellowship with us. Come be saved, if you will, is what we call it in our language. Come see the truth. In verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. These people that are telling you you don't need Jesus, they don't understand. Of course you do. So what does he say? 1 John 1, 9, if you confess our sins, he's faithful. He is faithful and right, unrighteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, very few people can let go of this verse and believe that God is faithful. We have a hard time with it because we think God needs us. Like, oh yeah, he's faithful, but he needs me to be faithful. No, read that again. He is faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So what is our part? What is the part that has been left to us? And that is to believe. Let me read you one more, one more little section here. We'll close. Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Brothers, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh you remember when that veil was torn no it wasn't about a piece of fabric it was about his flesh being torn opening up the way for us and since we have a great priest over the house of God what is the house of God you and me that's who we have as our great priest. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Look, I don't know if you look at this body sometimes and go, oof, I'm just this disgusting wretch. You're not. You have been cleansed, cleansed. I said like Pastor Clark there for a second. You've been cleansed, right, of all of that. You've been washed with pure water. 
God loves who he sees. He loves looking at you and spending time with you. He's not at all disappointed in you. He is faithful, and that's all that's ever going to (laughs) matter. He's faithful. In Hebrews 3.19, it says that the Jewish people were unable to enter in because of their unbelief. And what he's talking about is their rest. If you spend your entire life trying to be faithful to God, you will wear yourself out (laughs) quickly. If you instead will stand with God and let him be faithful in you, over you, in your life, you'll find that it's not even an issue. (laughs) He really has it all figured out with this whole love thing. (laughs) Because he is love. Just sit with him. Look, Rahab was one of his family members. And I think that's why when he sat with the woman caught in adultery, he was seeing his family. He he wasn't seeing her for her sin. He was saying, oh yeah, my my great-great-grandmother, you know. I mean, it was relational. He understood. So remember, all of us are called to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's actually possible because God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you so much. It's uh, mind-blowing to see how faithful, faithful you are. God, I know so many times we feel like you're disappointed, and I know you're not. God, I know so many times we feel like we've blown it, we've messed it up, that we've been faithless, that it's all a mess. And God, I know all we need to do is remember your faithfulness. So Lord, I pray for every person in this room who's at a low point, God, a moment where maybe their eyes have been turned towards failures or towards things that they didn't do quite right, legacies left unmet, all that kind of stuff. Lord, would you birth that faith within us, that fruit of the Spirit, and that we would be persuaded to see ourselves the way you see us, as holy, righteous, beloved sons and daughters of God, and that, God, that we would never let anything change our minds. We love you. We worship you this morning. In Jesus' name.